Hi everyone, Data Stories number 33. Hi Moritz. How are you doing? Hey Enrico. Good, good, good. How are you? Good, good, good. 33 is a nice number. Yeah. Pretty round. Pretty round. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on? Ah, ah, lots of stuff. I had a super exciting week. We launched uh, the Selfie City project, which I sort of gave a sneak peek at Visualized Conference, but now we put it on the web. And yeah, it's been a big launch and a great response. It's been posted everywhere. And now we're busy like answering emails and uh, coping. <laughs> <laughs> no, I but it's, it's been fun. It's a fun project. So we looked at, it's been together with Lev Manovich and his team and actually a big team, eight people. And we looked at selfies and analyzed selfie pictures from five cities across the world. And it's, it's a crazy piece of, uh, I don't know, art, science, research. I, I don't even know what it is, actually. It's a mashup <laughs> of everything. It's, yeah, <laughs> and I, yeah, and I think it's an interesting way to talk about such a topic, like to uh, have like an artistic angle on it, an analytic one, a theoretical one. We have some really like small bite-sized findings and we have a really big exploratory tool. And so I, I think it's a nice mixture. Great. And I think, uh, I guess you're making quite some noise with this one this time. I think so. Also, I mean, it's so cheap because selfies, of course, is a topic that, you know, yeah, it's, it's sexy in a way. It's and sexy. so, sure. yeah, sure. but we have a lot of, a lot of traction. It's been covered a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And how was visualized? Oh, it was fantastic. I think it was a great conference. Um, I was a bit skeptical about the format, like only 15 minutes or 20 per speaker. And then you have the full day full of you know 20 different speakers. But overall, it was really great. Yeah, I think it's been one of the best conferences I've been to. Great. great yeah. To hear that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was great having you here. <laughs> yeah. I spent the whole week nice in New York. I, I love the city, as you know. And so I'll try to make it back. <laughs> we should do it more often as soon as possible yes. and have more face-to-face -face, uh, recordings that would be fun no it's true <laughs> and also one feedback we got from a listener was that it's the first podcast that is like really in sync really because we're in the same room yeah of course you have a little lag if you do it over skype and yeah uh, it's, that's it's, it's nice to be in the same room yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we find a good sponsor who will fly me in for every episode, I'm all game. Yeah. If you guys want to sponsor <laughs> that, we are. Yeah. yeah. If you're a billionaire, <laughs> give us a call. <laughs> How was your time? Good, 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 good. Yeah. Yeah. A teaching. lot of work as usual, mm -hmm. doing mm. research, teaching, and it's uh, quickly getting the hot season because the submissions for this are coming up soon. So everyone is working on that. So you have to make up some research now. We have to do some research <laughs> from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. My students are working hard and I'm, I'm doing my best to help them. Cool. Hopefully Looking forward to see what, what you have in the in the pocket. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure if I can talk about this before publishing this stuff. No, but, no. But when it's yeah. once you have handed it in, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Be super interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But actually, cool. we had a notification for a paper accepted at Eurovis this year. Well, preliminary accepted, and that was a very long work uh, done with a group of climate scientists, and that's really, mm -hmm. really interesting. So I will talk more about this work uh, once uh, it is fully accepted. <laughs> Sounds good. Shall we briefly go to listener feedback? Yeah, I think we got some, some at least one comment last week. Yeah. That was fr from Samuel Dittiker. I hope I pronounced it well. <laughs> Sorry if not. Uh, so Samuel said that that was real fun because he said, I've listened to every episode within one month. <laughs> Congratulations. Maybe two episodes <laughs> <Binge -listening. laughs> a day on the train from and to work. They're all great. Thanks a lot, Samuel. That's, that's great to hear. But now he says, but now I have always to wait so long for a new episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, doing more episodes, uh, we would love to, but it's really daily hard. show is not an option. No, daily show is yeah. not an option. <laughs> Weekly show is not an option from no, time no. to time me and Moritz <laughs> discuss about having uh, an episode twice every every two weeks but uh, I don't know we don't want to promise that and then break the rules so I think yeah, yeah, yeah. we are trying to target but we might get some support with audio editing now so yeah. if that happens yeah, then that's we the might thing be so able are... <laughs> to be a bit more regular so yeah, we are trying we'll to scale up the whole thing but in order to scale it up we we need help so 
I think this gives the chance actually to say if you guys want to help us in some way, uh, either by doing some work for us for free or donating something to us, we we are happy to scale the episode the the, the show up uh, with your help. Otherwise, we we basically have to stick to the one month kind of schedule because we are of course busy with with other things. Uh, so we have another, of course, another uh, special guest today. We have John Schwabisch. Um Hi, John. How are you? Hey, Enrico. Moritz, how are you doing? Hey, John. It's great having you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's it's exciting. I've, I have listened to all 32 episodes myself. Ah, I didn't, I didn't binge listen. <laughs> In one week or what? <laughs> no, I, I've, I've spaced it out over time. <laughs> Did you listen to every single episode? Every single episode. Oh, come from on. From beginning to end. <laughs> that <laughs> should be a new requirement episodes. for guests because, of course, <laughs> you know, it's a saga. You cannot just, like, jump in in the middle. You have to understand what has happened. <laughs> you just jump in. It's, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. All the character development, you know. <laughs> Remember Enrico two years ago. I mean, It's like so watching different. The Wire. You can't just jump in the middle. <laughs> right. right. So, so what was your favorite episode now that we are on the topic of our great podcast? Well, you know, I just I listened to George, the Georgia episode yesterday, so that one was really good. Um, one of the early ones with Andy Kirk was good. When he, when the first one he was on was a really nice episode about teaching. Uh, yeah, yeah that, yeah, yeah, that was a great one. And Andy is yeah. so entertaining. I, I, yeah, yeah, I love this guy. And uh, you know, when Ben Schneiderman was on, that was fun. You know, Ben Ben's a character, so that was that was <laughs> fun. It was interesting to listen to him move from sort of the strict computer science part to the data art. That was that was interesting. Yeah. Top hits. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> One day there will be a, like a top hits collection. That's right. So what do you do, John? Why why are you even on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, because I think you needed to add an American voice to the exotic yeah, voices, yeah. right? Native Every speaker once for once. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, so my, my day job is uh, I'm an economist at the Congressional Budget Office here in D.C. And... Um, I've been here for about nine years, and before that I was in New York City working at a nonprofit, and before that I was in uh, graduate school doing my uh, PhD at Syracuse University. And uh, so I started at CBO. I was working in the, um, in the long-term model doing a micro-simulation model on Social Security finances. And then I started branching out, and I was doing economic research on immigration and food stamps and uh, inequality and disability, and I did a bunch of stuff with data measurement issues. And then uh, a couple of years ago, I became interested in data visualization, sort of stumbled upon the field, you know, found you guys and found Stephen Few and found Andy and, and all these different people. And so then I sort of helped launch a variety of different data visualization efforts at CBO. So we, you know, we started doing infographics. We did some one-off charts that we call snapshots. We did a new publication type called a chart book. And then we, of course, were improving what we were doing in our regular publications. So that was all great. And then I started branching out and giving talks at other agencies and, and uh, talking to policy shops and think tanks and sort of trying to teach them how to do data visualization in a better way and talking to economists about how to present their work in a, in a better way. And uh, oh, I, sh I should probably mention for, for listeners who don't know, the CBO is the, is the budget office of US Congress. So Probably people overseas may not know what we do. Um, it was it was founded in the mid '70s. Uh, it's now about 225 people, and it's a strictly nonpartisan agency. We conduct objective analysis for members of Congress. But I should also note that everything I'm talking about today is going to be what you know my own views and not those of CBO. So uh, sure. we'll we'll talk about my own work, which uh, I started about a year ago. I launched my own site called PolicyViz. And the site um, at the time was really just a way to give information about the workshops I was conducting on data visualization and presentation techniques. Um, and then I, I, f I kind of figured like Andy Kirk shouldn't be the only person allowed to be doing workshops and teaching data visualization. <laughs> so someone else had to be doing it. There was also Jay Thorpe, but he, I think he, he stopped doing that. Yeah, yeah and his, and his was sort of on processing in New York. I yeah, figured yeah, if, if Andy could let me have DC, then you know, I could, <laughs> he could have the rest of the world and I could just have DC. So did you also do like full day, um, one day or two day workshops type things? Yeah, I was doing yeah. full day workshops. I would sort of do like 
talk about best practices and, mm -hmm. and strategies and then do hands-on tutorials in sort of the programs that most people I know work with, which tends to be, you know, economists tend to use Excel as sort of the main graphics uh, program people use. And then for the analytics side, it's things like Stata and SAS and SPSS and um, like the micro simulation model I worked on was written in Fortran. So there's not a lot of graphics capabilities in Fortran. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so they're they're a full they're a full day full day workshop. So, mm -hmm. um, and then about about two months ago, I relaunched the site to be more of a blog because I had a, like this list of things I wanted to talk about and sort of wanted to get out there, and I didn't have a good podium to do that. So I've been writing a lot more recently, and then in December I launched the Help Me Viz site, um, which was a project I had been sort of toying around with for about six or nine months, and finally got up the courage to actually do it and sort of took me a while to figure out the best way to do it and uh, had two very long conversations with Robert Cassara about the best approach. So, and it's been out for about since early December. It's been great so far. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm very excited. I about think it. It, it's it hit the ground running, right? Like there was immediately like traffic and people coming there and. Uh, so I, I think that clearly clearly filled filled a need. But uh, coming back to the policy thing, so um, what, what's your experience like? How is this world? let's say, of uh, budget office visualizations or visualizations for policymakers? How is that different maybe from what you know from flowing data type, <laughs> web uh, design-y data visualization? Is there a difference or is it, yeah, is it similar? I, I think so. I mean, a lot of the people that I talk to, it, you know, I talk to a lot of agencies, you know, the Census Bureau, Congressional Research Service, Department of Commerce, Department of Labor. I mean, all, all of these groups, they seem to have sort of the same sorts of challenges, which is, you know, they're mostly economists who haven't thought about how to present their work visually, right? So when I went through grad school, I was never taught how to write. I was never taught how to, uh, you know, give a presentation, you know, how to actually talk to people in front of, in an audience. Never taught how to make good graphics. And so that's sort of the first hurdle. And most people are really interested in learning how to do a better job of doing that because they're working for a long time, often years, on a research project and then they put it out and it goes into the journal and it disappears. Mm -hmm. Even if they have really exciting stuff to show, they're burying it in tables or they're you know putting in a graph that's really hard to sort of find the, the story. So you know most people I'm talking to, they want to know how to do, mostly it's just the static stuff. They want to know how to just do the static stuff. How do I make, mm -hmm. you know, what type of graphs can I use? You know, what type of tools can I use to make these different things, you know, and then... But they think more in terms of, okay, I have my paper report anyways, and there is a figure 2.1 that shows the decline yeah. of something. How can, how can I make that better, right? Yeah, how can I make yeah. that better? How yeah. can I make that clearer? And yeah. everybody seems to realize now, and, you know, I don't think this was the case a few years ago, right? Everybody realizes now to get more people to read your research... It needs to sort of get out there on the on the internet, right? People, yeah, and that's yeah. how people are going to find it. And uh -huh, and uh -huh. these visual images are the things that are getting out there, and that's how people are becoming attracted to the research. Um, so um, I have this suspicion, like when I talk to scientists, sometimes that design is still seen as something you don't do, mm -hmm. because um, a good a good study doesn't need to be dressed up in quotation marks, right? So. Right. The results speak for themselves, so why would I need to give it flashy colors? Right. Uh, do, do people in the policy scene have the same types of reservations, or is that maybe a thing of the past and uh, it's, it's already being overcome? I think it's starting to be overcome. It's not so much about the fancy colors and the fancy icons. Um, I think people are starting to recognize that a, a simple line chart or a good column chart, you know, if the date, if the content is good, um, and the chart is clear, then um, it will it will gain attention. Um, right. Now people are excited about the infographics sort of thing, and 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 some places are moving beyond that and doing sort of the interactive stuff. But at least on the static stuff, you are seeing a lot more people just put out static charts, and they're having more of these graphic elements. Um, and so what you see a lot in these agencies is you see um, sort of like the analysts or the economists in this silo over here. And then the graphic designers in this silo over here, and like never the two shall meet. And so, right, right. Yeah. You know, there's like one agency I, where I know a lot of economists just sort of through my other work, and I always they always complain to me. They're like, 
well, I've made my poster for this conference, or I've made my research report graph, and I gave it to the, to the graphic designers, and it came back, and everything was moved around, and it was <laughs> yeah. all different. And I said, well, you know, you could just go talk to them. You know, yeah. They're probably nice people. So um, what you sort of need is, you know, the graphic folks who have an interest in the analytics, and then the analytic folks who have some interest in the, in the design side, so that you can sort of piece these two worlds together. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, in the in the last in Data Stories thirty two with Georgia. Yeah. You know this the, the you know she does the graphics part and not so much on the coding part. And so, you know, there's I think there's this big um, question about should people be sort of a you know a mile wide and an inch deep, or should they you know should they stick into the places where they're you know a mile deep? You know, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, and I think we're you know we have this sort of desire that everybody should be like a unicorn you know everybody should be able to do all these great things and i don't really think that's the case um and i think if you just have like the desire to do these things i think that sort of can go a long way mm-hmm. yeah but of course the first step is to recognize like that you might not be great at something that's the first thing and the other thing is to to just understand that there's a big value in maybe like for the designer to understand there's a big value in what an analyst can bring in and for an analyst to understand there's a big value a designer can bring in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Enrico, you had a question. Yeah, I have a few questions. So I'm curious to hear more in details. Um, so these people who come to you and say, look, I'm, I, I need to make these charts better. Mm-hmm. What do they exactly mean? I mean, I think so they have a feeling or a sense that something is wrong with the way they, they make charts, right? Is it more that they feel like that they didn't convey the message right or effectively enough? Or it's more that they really want to make it prettier or both? No, it's usually it's usually the former. They Usually people come to me and say, I've made this chart, but it's not telling the story that I want to tell. It's not reflecting the research in the right way. And I don't know how, or or they've heard me talk about. Uh, sometimes it's on the on the, I guess you might call it making it prettier, but it's not like you know what's a good color palette. It's you know they'll say I've heard you talk about you know you know lightening this grid line or getting rid of this tick mark. You know how do I do that? You know why should I do that? That sort of thing. But most people want to know what's a better way to present their data. So you know they they you know one I get probably the most often is people not recognizing that they can make like a scatter plot out of a column chart that has like multiple columns and there's some correlation. And I think what happens is they've probably made that scatter plot on their desktop when they've been analyzing the data, but they sort of feel like people may not be able to understand a scatter plot. And I think I think we've moved to the point now where scatter plots are sort of mainstream and people sort of get that. Um, and of course, it varies whether people are writing for an academic uh, journal publication or they're writing for the public or members of Congress or what have mm, you. So, mm. um, yeah. So, from your experience, what kind of skills these people lack the most? Why do they feel that they cannot do it? Why do they feel that they need some help for doing that? I think they feel like they're not thinking visually. Mm-hmm. So, a lot mm-hmm. of people they have a bunch of text and then they have a table. Mm-hmm. And I think now they're people are starting to recognize that. It's the graphics and the visuals that are gaining attention, and you know any sort of you know uh, you know any sort of economics blogger or you know blog in the newspapers, Wonk blog or or Nate Silver stuff. You know even those sort of single charts, those are capturing attention. Whereas bef- whereas people that I tend to come to talk to me are you know they're usually making those in tables, and so I think it's just recognition that the visual graphics are ways to get their research more visible. And, you know, and once they sort of settled on a visual, then it's like, okay, so how do I go to the next step of making this, you know, attractive, but not so much like, you know, give me sort of a neat color palette. It's like, well, how do I, you know, show me how to make the data more uh, visible or, you know, how do I make these, uh, you know, how do I, how do I place the labels on the chart? You know, I need to know how to do that in Excel easily. And, you know, why should, you know, which points should I label and why? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually have a similar experience. I've been working for many months with a group of climate scientists, as I mentioned before. And again, we've been analyzing a very large number of, of publications, of charts coming from their publications. And I think, I think what is really interesting there is that one of the problems is, is that scientists 
cannot really distinguish between the charts they use for analysis and the chart they use for, for presenting the information that comes out of their analysis. Basically, what they end up creating is screenshots from the charts that they have created through their analytical process, right? And, and I don't know if you have a, if you have a similar experience with your, with your clients, but it's definitely true with, with the people I've been interacting with. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I tell people that the, the, the graph you make when you're analyzing your data or constructing your model or, or what have you in the analytics phase, that can be the same chart you put in your, in your publication, in your research paper, on your blog. But there's, there, there are two totally different things, right? The one is for you to understand your data, and the other is to convince your reader that your model's right or your projections are accurate or what have you. And sure. so the color and the annotation and the and, you know all the sort of you know chart clutter that may be that may fill up the default graph, that stuff needs to be addressed when you're trying to present it to an audience. So I, I agree. I, I see that a lot. It's the same exact chart, but they need to have completely different looks because they, they have two different purposes. But isn't it also often related to what what even goes into the chart? Like, yeah. there's often a tendency to, you know, try and show everything yeah. and everything's important. And and often an external person can like say, listen, we don't need all of that. Your main story is here. And why not do a graphic that's that's centered around that single data point in a way, you know? Yeah. And yeah. There's also this thing that uh I I sort of call the slideshow effect. Jonathan Corm at the Times calls it the figure one problem. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, basically, you know, people in my field and probably most science, you know, in the sort of sciences, they have a graph and they put it on the page and they surround it by a bunch of text and then the text sort of narrates what happens in the figure. Right. You know, yeah. It's not sort of thought yeah. of as something that's, you know, an additional thing or something that can uh, glean greater insight that the reader can get more insight from. It's just sort of this thing. Well, I've, I've talked about the unemployment rate, so I need a figure. So here's figure one. Right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, my, my hope is that, um, you know, people will recognize the value of having more visuals that have more meaning and more content as opposed to, you know, here's the unemployment rate, and so here's a line chart, and now let's move on to figure two, right? I mean, yeah, 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 yeah um, absolutely, sure. Shall we talk about help me with? Yeah, I think we're we're halfway there, <laughs> anyways, already. <laughs> yeah, but this stuff is super interesting. I could keep talking yeah. for another. I, I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it could be an extra thing. I was also at a workshop about like data visualization, policy making, and. We debated for two days and and only scratched the surface of you know how how complex this is like with all different requirements all different types of contexts where you might want to use information and it's oh, a big yeah, no, topic it, for it, sure. It, yeah. It's very it's it's not only difficult because of the you know the sort of well in my experience the analysts who are sort of trying I think to learn you know you've also got um, and it's not this is not just government I think this is you know all sorts of places where there the skill set that they they don't have the skill set that they need, right, to do these sorts of things. There's not an emphasis on hiring designers or yeah. UX people or JavaScript people. You know that those skill sets aren't there yet. Um, so it's sort of hard to move from a place where you have, you know, you know, a thousand or two thousand economists to a place where you need to have, you know, a team of graphics or a, team, a communications team to do this sort of thing. So it's both on the individual side and then it's also on the sort of institution side, and that can be. You know, a lot of, there are a lot of think tanks in DC that I talk to, and you know, they're sort of starting to recognize that they need a sort of dedicated communications team hmm. that focuses on the visual aspect of, of of research and analysis. But yeah, we could we could talk about this. I could no. talk about this for hours. <laughs> <laughs> data store is data store is thirty three point five. Exactly. <laughs> I actually, no. Let me ask one one last thing because I'm really curious about that. Yeah. So uh, when you run your workshops. Um, so I guess most of the participants are people coming from 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 economy or related related fields, right? Yeah. So how do they react to the information that you give to them? So I'm curious to hear first if they immediately recognize the benefits of. So I, I see, for instance, you have a very nice paper where you uh, where you describe a lot of charts from in, coming from the from economics where you redesign these charts and, and and show how how much better a chart could be right when it's redesigned right. so i'm wondering how do they react when they when you show them charts that they can uh, that come from their own field and you redesign them 
And of course, for people like us, it, it's immediately clear that, that this kind of redesign charts are much better. But I'm curious to hear, how do they react? I mean, do they see the value of redesigning these charts in a, in a certain way? Or, or sometimes they are skeptical about the results? Yeah, well, I mean, the first point is that it's a select sample, right? So people are coming to the workshop because <laughs> they feel like yeah, they want to do a sure, better job. Sure, so, sure. But yeah, I think, so, so most people are, most people see the value pretty, pretty immediately. And of course, a lot of things that I'm redesigning, you mentioned the article, you know, a lot of those redesigns were, I mean, for us are pretty obvious, but I think when you show sort of anybody, it's, it's pretty obvious that you should, you know, the darkest line on the, on the chart should not be the, you know, the X axis, it should be the data line, right? Um, I think the one that I always find the funniest is when I show people a column chart where each column is labeled, it's a city, right? And so the, the X axis labels are all, are all, uh, have that have that vertical orientation, so you have to turn your head a little bit. And and I tell people, well, you know, you could rotate the the labels to 45 degrees, but you still have the same problem. Or you can make it horizontal, so they won't all fit. And I say, well, what if you just rotated the chart, just made it like a horizontal bar chart? Because then you have the chart, it's the <laughs> same, you know, same visual, and now all your all your labels sort of sits horizontally. It's easy to read. And people, I'm always surprised when people are like, oh my god, mind blown. That's that's, that's genius. <laughs> So, yeah. so for the most part, people are people are really uh, receptive to it. And you know, what I what I try to do in, when I do the workshops is have a lot of conversation about why does this choice make sense versus some other choice. And you know, a lot of it is is subjective. You know, should you have you know the one in my head is the, I think the first figure in that article you mentioned, Enrico, which is you know sort of four panels put together. You know. You could argue whether you should have four sets of x-axis labels and four sets of y-axis labels. Like those sorts of things are the sort of things that that come into play the most in terms of like debate. But for the most part, people are really receptive once they realize that once you strip out all this other stuff, um, you see the data and you see the story so much more clearly once you get rid of all the thick grid lines and you you know get rid of your 3D pie chart. You know the data is just much more clear once you think about a different way of presenting it. So yeah. Um, yeah, I find most people are really receptive to it. And, and the article that you mentioned, um, I, was, I just asked the publisher a few days ago, I think it has 10 times as many hits as any other article in that particular issue, which <laughs> yeah. not totally, not, may, may not be totally surprising. But Yeah, yeah, I just discovered it by chance when I was looking at your profile, and I think it's extremely useful. If only I discovered it a, li a little bit earlier, I would use it in my class, because I really wanted to have a long list of examples of redesigned charts. If you think about it, there are not many examples out there. The only, yeah. the only web page I know that is similar in spirit is from uh, Stephen Few. He has mm -hmm. a very nice page where he has the original chart and the redesigned chart. And, uh, and of course, I think, um, yeah, and your paper is the only other source that I know where this happens. And of course, your new blog. So this nicely introduces the next, right. <laughs> the next right. topic. Help me Finally. Okay. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll wait. I, I have another see question. see getting nervous. <laughs> you cannot see his face. but <laughs> You should turn no, into no, video, I... video, video podcast, uh, Moritz, yeah. so people could see your face. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just post a few screenshots from you. I think that's, that's just as good. <laughs> yeah, that would be disgusting. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry, John. No, so so I was going to say, you know, the only... So, I, so well, one thing I want to say about the article is that I, I got a lot of great feedback about it. And some, you know, some people who weren't pleased that I focused so much on Excel, but that's a separate topic. But the emails I got that I was most excited about were from professors saying, this is great. You know, I'm assigning as you know, as mandatory reading for my class. You know, that's and that's where that's how things sort of change when you start getting students and graduate students um, thinking about this as they work on their research. You know, from the get-go. So, um, so that's that's sort of what I was most excited about. But the other point is, yeah, the sort of only other site that has these sort of alternatives is HelpMeViz. So, Moritz, <laughs> there's your segue. <laughs> <laughs> So, so what is Help HelpMeViz all about? <laughs> what is it all about? Oh, HelpMeViz. Yeah, so HelpMeViz is a, so it's a place where people can post visualizations that they're either having trouble with or they want feedback on or they just want general help with. And then the community at large can comment in and provide 
ideas and options. And I had some, when I designed it, I had like, I'd say probably four key elements that I needed to have when I was building it. And I should say, I wasn't sure how I was going to build it first. So, you know, I was sort of playing with other existing sites like Pinterest and Flickr and GitHub and, and Stack Exchange and all these different places, but they were all sort of missing like one key thing that I needed. So, okay, so here are my four things. So first it needed to be easily accessible for people. So I didn't want something where you had to like join and be a member, like Behance or Dribble were on my list, but you have to join and, you know, so I, I wanted to be like, you know, Joe Schmo analyst could just log, just show up one day and, you know, provide some advice. So that was the first one. The second one was that com the people who were commenting had to be able to post images with their with their comments. So I wanted sure. people to be able to, you know, provide alternatives, not just to try to describe it. So that ruled out a bunch of other sites. And then the comments out of the needed to be in depth. That was sort of the whole reason I started it was that um, I was realizing that people make comments on Twitter that are you know they can be construct they can be <laughs> constructive, but they tend to be just criticisms. But they're really short. Like that's the way it has to be. And so right. you you know you see this sort of back and forth. We've seen it. You know, a couple of days ago there was this Twitter conversation about this map of splitting GDP growth in the U.S. Right. Right. Yeah. It's sort of hard to follow that conversation when they're you know 140 characters at a time. So, um, and then the fourth fourth thing was that I wanted it to be um, open to just anybody, and they could post easy, simple charts, you know, a single pie chart or a single line chart, all the way to more complex charts, to, you know, interactive visualizations, to, you know, network diagrams, to anything. Mm, so mm. I wanted to sort of span, I wanted to make it as broad as I can. So that's why it ended up being a website as opposed to using one of these sort of existing uh, existing services. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And something like Stack Exchange or Stack Overflow, that model wouldn't have worked because there's no real conversation or, or Quora or so? Yeah, see, the problem with a lot of these is, well, I felt, and you know, others probably disagree, but I felt that like Stack Exchange and GitHub and those sorts of things, I didn't think they're as easily accessible for people. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you yeah. know, they sort of have this view, they have this look of being like pretty technical and yeah, yeah, so yeah. sort of hard to get into, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, whereas a comment box at the bottom of a web page is, yeah. you know, so. Um, so you set it up in WordPress probably? Yeah, it's set up in WordPress, yeah. yeah and, and just use the blogging system and customize it so, so it fits for your purpose. <laughs> right, right, exactly, yeah. And, you know, you know the, the other thing was I was you know, still sort of worried about, but not quite yet, is the, is, you know, the moderation. So, you know, we've had, I've had, so I don't know, like, we have, so there's 15 visualizations that are currently up there. And there's about 250 comments, all told, something like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you know, I was when I started, I was sort of worried that I was going to have to be moderating all of these comments. And so far, I haven't really had to do that, which is which has been good, you know. And you know, ideally, hopefully, one day that will become a problem where you know, there'll be so many comments, <laughs> I'll have to worry about it. But you need employees for <laughs> managing the flood of comments. That's yeah, right, that, that right. would be nice. Yeah. But the, the way it works is so you have a data visualization problem. And you or you post your current like situation <laughs> like that's the chart I'm having here with the data yeah which can be found there and and do people have like specific problems like they say I don't like this specific aspect about the chart or do they more say like I'm at a total loss uh, I have no idea what to do here uh, uh, what is the typical question uh, I think like? the typical the typical one I've gotten so far is I have this chart but I'm not happy with it. And uh -huh. oftentimes they're not sure why they're not happy with something's it. Something's wrong. <laughs> something's wrong. And they're not exactly sure why. I mean, that's the most common one, I think. Uh -huh. There uh -huh. have been a few where people say, I have this data and I don't know how to show it. Um, and then there's been a couple ones that have been technical. So I know I want to make this particular chart, but I am an Excel user and I don't know how to make it. Um, and so far, I think the Excel ones have actually gotten sort of the most number of comments because... Mm -hmm. I, you know, it's just more Excel users. So, you know, there was one a couple weeks ago, John Peltier actually ended up doing like a, a separate tutorial on his website yeah. um, to show people how to do it. So, you know, that sort of thing is is great. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've had some where there's uh, the data but no visualization. People sometimes email me the visualization but no data. And that was the other thing <laughs> I wanted to make sure that, you know. I, and, I, and I tell people, like, you can send it to me anonymously if you have you know, your employer doesn't want it to be put out or the client doesn't want it to be put out, you know, just send it to me anonymously or, you know, sort of add some random components to the data or just make right, up the data. Right. But, you yeah. know, um, the idea is just to get 
people to talk about sort of best, you know, best presentations. And it's been interesting to see some of the some of the comments on on a few of these posts going back and forth between, you know, the different ways in which you could present data. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's always the most uh, like surprising fact. Also, I think if if you're like stuck in one tool. And you know, like five chart types, and then somebody comes with a new tool like like Tableau or or right. D3 <laughs> that yeah. has like pretty much unlimited possibilities, like how many different perspectives you can gather on the da same data set, and and also how important it is to look at them and and contrast them against each other and say like, oh, this one highlights this fact, this one seems to show maybe the overview a bit better, and so on. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> yeah, there's one that's uh, recent that was. Um I think it was a bar chart. Someone saying, you know, here's how you could build this in Excel. And, you know, there was all this sort of back and forth about how to build it. Mm -hmm. and then someone said, well, why are you building this as a bar chart? <laughs> it doesn't show the data in the right way. You know, show it as a line chart. And all of a sudden you see this, you know, you see this big change in the, you know, see the big change that you wanted to show. You see it much more clearly as a, as a line chart. And then there's this whole separate next sort of discussion about, how to modify the line chart so that you know it sort of highlights highlights the data in a different way. So those are the sorts of things that I'm most excited about seeing. Sort mm -hmm. of, you know, people going down one path and then branching off into another path and seeing how that goes. So that's the part that I'm most excited about is you know all these branching and forking off of different places and uh, and people learning how to not just how to make these things but how to think about these things in different ways. Yeah, yeah. That's nice. Is is there a way for the authors to mark a question at some point as resolved or like hand out like a little badge to the to the guy or a girl right, who, yeah. who, who came up with a really brilliant solution? Or, yeah, or no, is it more yet. or less just I mean you can always comment like thanks. Yeah, that totally you can always comment. Like that. Yeah. Um for the ones that are anonymous, I've I've written I write back to most of the people who originally submitted and I said, you know, I hope you found it helpful. If you resolved it, you know, let me know and I'll post it back up. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we've done that. I think I've only had to do that once. Um, yeah, but that's on my list. Yeah, like <laughs> badges, know? right? Badges, yeah. <laughs> totally. Who, who are, and you know, who and were, there, were there also like some questions that uh, were like totally unsolvable or like where the discussion went nowhere or do all of them sort of resolve? Um, some of them some of them don't resolve. Um, and it's hard. I think it's hard um, because people have sent me stuff and I'm not sure they were totally invested in the process. Yeah. So they were sort of hoping there'd be a real simple answer. And all of a sudden there's like four <laughs> Without comments. Without any work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And there's like four <laughs> questions and the commenters are like, well, what are you trying to do with this? And then they're sort of like, well, I'll just stick with the pie chart. It's fine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Worth a shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe there was a simple answer I didn't see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Which no, is I, fine too. I mean, then at least you know, okay, there's no obvious way of how to improve it. I mean, right. That's fine too. Yeah. 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 What I like about also the way the questions are posted, it's always with a context. So, you know, I'm I'm a bit tired of people discussing good or bad charts without actually taking the the original task <laughs> or the you know Absolutely. the the the, yeah. the briefing or or the use context into account so that's also such a twitter effect like people pass around a picture and then they say ah green i don't like green <laughs> should be red <laughs> yeah you know in a way it's like that and i think every design is like totally unjudgeable without having the context like both um organizationally and you right. know, how much resources available but also like how it's going to be used what it's good for and right and i think people specify that quite well on your side and and i like that so they really try to to present present you with that situation they're in and and then you, we can debate together like how to move on and right i and think that's, a lot, that's the right way yeah and there's a lot of back and forth i have with with people who submit things usually a lot of back and forth before it goes up Ah, because sure. they'll they'll send me here's a chart and here's the data can you put it up and I'll say ah, well you know we need that yeah. context or yeah, you know excellent. I'll get things yeah. that are you know totally unclear you know, I find it it's pretty funny how people send me emails where like I I can't figure out what you're doing um, <laughs> so imagine that lots of people are going to read this and you know yeah. how how would you rewrite it so um, yeah the context is important you know some there have been a couple up there where it's been here's my data I don't know what to do with it and that's those are the ones I think that haven't gotten as much response because of this exact reason. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if I don't know what you're trying what story you're trying to tell, it's really hard for me to give you alternatives. Right. Yeah, but I think that's that's super important. And at the same time, my feeling is that there are a lot of people out there who suddenly realize that that they have 
lots of data and they should be doing something with it. And then they contact you and say, look, I have this whole bunch of data. I want to do something, but I don't know exactly what, right? right. This happens all the time. And it's, it, there's, a, there's a little bit of a, of a tension there between, you know, putting something up where, you know, someone is basically getting free services versus going out and hiring someone or contracting with someone to actually get the work. So this is the one thing that I'm, I'm still a little sort of uneasy about. And, you know, I've had some uh, requests for help where it sort of feels like this is some, this is some agency or group or, or firm that sort of doesn't want to go down the road of finding someone to contract with. And they just sort of want to get the free service. And, you know, those I'm a little less confident about. I mean, I think a lot of the ones that are up there right now have been, you know, one-offs from researchers or places where they're like, you know, I really don't know how to fix this. And I'm giving a presentation, you know, sort of help me how to do it. Um, the ones where it feels more professional to me, where they're saying, we have this publication that we're putting out and we need, you know, the graphic for the front cover. <laughs> yeah. You know, how do we do that? You know, you know those are, I'm a little more wary about those because, you know, there are people who are, do this for a living and, you know, um, so there's a fine line. I don't know where the line is yet. I'm sure. I'm sure I'll find out at some point. <laughs> Someone will be angry enough with me that that uh, I'll find out. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, or oh, did you have like concrete cases of posts that you where did you which you held back because you said like ah it's, that's too um, too obviously commercial or too obviously like trying to get free labor. Yeah, I had one where um, an an organization was was doing a big publication, and the the request was was sort of general and broad enough that I wasn't really comfortable putting it up. So the and 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 the writer, the person who asked, said, "I'm not really sure if this is appropriate." So you know, you, you let us know. But basically, they have some big report. And they do it every year or something like that. And, you know, would it be okay if they asked for comments or suggestions about how to do the graphs in this report? Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. that was like, <laughs> I'm not really sure. <laughs> but I think so no. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Yeah. Right. But it's a, it's a good question. I mean, on the one hand, there's nothing bad about it. On the other hand, yeah, as you say, there, there are people who make a living out right. of that. Right. And, and it's also... Maybe let's compare it to like health sites. So I mean, it's okay to post on a forum if you know if you have a certain cuff, if that if other people have experience with that. But if you have a real problem, you should go see a real doctor, right? I mean, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So <laughs> that's my stance on that. And I think it's one thing to say, "Here's one chart. I need help with one chart." You know, yeah. you know, I have a pie chart. I don't know what else to do with it, or I have a scatter plot, but it's totally unclear, and I don't know how to like you know, strip out all the extra information. It's another mm -hmm. thing to say, we have a book that we have to do every year yeah. and we need, you know, we need help. So I, I yeah, think yeah. maybe that's the line. I don't know. People, people will tell me what the line is. So <laughs> right. trial and error. I think. <laughs> and how is the debate culture? Like, is it usually like a lot of back and forth or is it more like one suggestion dominating the discussion or how, how do these, these threads evolve in your experience? So, so far the threads have been, they haven't, there hasn't been sort of a few like I mean there are a few people who comment a lot right they're just they're just high high frequency people but they don't sort of dominate the conversation which is what I've which is nothing I can control but something that I think is is really great so far about the site is that it really is a bunch of different people coming in and adding their their two cents and the comments have ranged from uh, you know I don't like the colors that you know such and such put in the in the redesign because you know because you shouldn't put red and green together right. And if that's the if that's a comment, that's fine. Like there, I don't think people should feel like their comments have to be redesigning an entire chart. If there's like one aspect of the chart that they think is particularly wrong or egregious, then they should be happy to do that. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it hasn't been dominated by particular people yet, which is which has been nice. And it's been really um, so far, it's been really positive, which is the other thing that. You know, you can't really control human human behavior. So yeah. you know, especially this, on the internet. <laughs> yeah. So there's this concern that people are going to be really negative, and they're you know they're going to say you know this is garbage. You know, you should never come back to this site again. But so right. far, people have been you know you know try this or try this. Uh, you know, people have put things into Tableau visualizations. You know, just as a try, but you know have you know it's in Tableau public, so you can go in and play with it. So all those sorts of things, I think, are all are all positive. And then. You know, you have people saying, 
here's sort of a lengthy criticism. You know, it might be two or three paragraphs, and here are the things you should consider. I'm not going to give you an alternative because I don't know, understand the data, I don't understand the full story, but here are some sort of constructive criticism about things you want to think about, which, which is the whole point, to sort of go beyond the 140-character critique, right? Yeah. So do you participate in the discussion or you, you let the others? Yeah, I participate, uh, I participate when I can. <laughs> um, I participate as, my, as myself. Uh -huh. So I participate as John. I don't participate as like the moderator of the site. Um, because then it would show up as help me this and that's a little, you know, I want it to be sort of me. Um, this yeah, is my idea. These are my comments, right? Um, yeah, yeah, so I, I try to chime in when I can. But, but right now I'm just trying to, you know, put as much content on the site as possible. So I spend, when I'm working f uh, with regards to the site, when I'm working on that, I'm really just trying to, you know, get people to send me information. So that's, that's where I spend most of my time right now. Sure, sure. So what's next then? Yeah, I've got a lot. I've got a lot of my. I've got a lot of ideas, but you know, um, we'll we'll see where it goes. So I've got. So there are 15 visualizations up there. It's been up for about two and a half months. So we're averaging about one a week. Um, obviously, the more content, the better. But um, there's a whole list of things I like to do. So Moritz, you mentioned badges. I think that would be great to sort of, um, you know, give you know frequent or good commenters sort of a shout out. Um, it'd be great to have um, contests or sponsors. Um, I can imagine, you know, an actual formal con. You know, like visualizing.org does does their contest where they're asking for sort of um, original work. But I can imagine a contest a contest of of revising uh, an existing mm -hmm. visualization. Sure. No, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I can imagine uh, people doing tutorials on the site. You know, John John Peltier did his tutorial. He put it on his own site. But it would be it would be nice to someone said I don't know how to build this you know interactive map in D three and you know it could be cross posted with Bostock site or whatever you know or or GitHub or or what have you but it'd be nice to have sort of tutorials where people could learn directly from the site. So speaking, um, sorry if I interrupt you. Speaking of, no, of contest, I think that one one interesting aspect here is that so most contests out there they basically provide some data set and sometimes hopefully some some questions. Right. And then the way the, the, the entries are judged is basically by visualization, by visualization experts, right? Rather than mm -hmm. domain experts. I have seen very rarely contests where the final judgment is given by the, by the end user, right? And right. I think here you have an opportunity to do that because every single chart, if I understand well, comes from a person who has a real problem in his own domain and wants to create a chart that, that solves this problem, right? Absolutely, I think right. That's a pretty unique uh, feature of your of your blog, right? Right. I think the only right. contest that comes into my mind that does something similar to that is the Vast Challenge. I think we talked about the Vast Challenge a few mm. episodes back, sure. and it's really really interesting what they do there because they have real world analysts using these tools for real and trying to discover interesting information by using these tools. And these are people, these are the people who provide the, the original data sets, okay? So you have people from, I don't remember, I think, uh, I think for instance, uh, intelligence analyst providing some data, then waiting for the submissions to come, and then judging the results on their own data sets. And I think that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it'd be great to have not just the person asking for help be a judge, but also um, people they work with and also their target audience. You know, I can imagine a Absolutely. person who says, you know, I have, sure. I have to do this report and here's my audience, so we'll get, you know, someone that acts as that audience to be the judge or yeah. be, you know, be on the panel. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think, that, I, think, I think that gets back to putting everything in context and not just, you know, what's the coolest visualization or what looks the best or, you mm -hmm. know, um, you know, who's taking the best selfie, you know, let's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's, let's, let's think about the context, let's think about the purpose, think about whether it's actually telling the story we want it to tell. And yeah, it'd be great to sort of have a, uh, you can imagine a contest where it's a, com the, the judges are a combination of the original designer, you know, experts in the visualization field and also the end user. So you could have all that, you know, spanning. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there, I think there's a lot of places it can go. And like I said, it'll really be determined by the amount of content um, that goes up there, and and whether and whether uh, people continue to comment on it. You know, mm -hmm. you got it was mentioned I think in a few episodes back when you have Robert and, and Andy on. 
you know, these sorts of things with, you know, this this site and the the thumbs up viz site and uh, the WTF viz site. You know, those are all, um, you know, they based on content, but they sort of only work if people sort of um, participate. And uh, you know, I'm I'm optimistic that people will. I mean, it's been it's been really great so far. So I'm excited about it. Cool. Yeah, I think that's the best challenge, as you said, like keeping the community grow and and active at the same time. And this is also something you can sort of guard in that, but in a, in a way, it's also out of your hands. So yeah, yeah. You just also have to get lucky or provide the right environment and just help things grow. But of course, it lives off the users' comments, the whole thing. Right. Yeah. The whole thing lives off the users. You just sort of let people do it. And, you know, I've made the point of saying the point of this is to be constructive. And, you know, we haven't had any of sort of the things that I feared, which is, which I think speaks to who's working in this field, right? Right, right. That people are willing to sort of take their time, take time out of their day and, and make, some, make some positive comments and make some changes to these things that, you know, they don't have anything, anything to gain except from playing with data and experimenting with new, with new approaches, which is really cool. I think that's, you know, a really unique uh, aspect of the data viz community of people wanting to, wanting to help. I think that, I think that was part of the other impetus, right, is people really do want to help uh, uh, people figure out how to do a, a better job of presenting their, presenting their data. Right, right. Do you have like one favorite thread or like one favorite discussion or, or one that, that found the most attention or the most redesigns? Um, yeah. I mean, what should people check out? If they check out only one post, which one would it be? Well, they should check out all the posts tomorrow. Yeah, yeah but which one first? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so I, so I have a couple of favorites. So I think one of my favorites is the, um, is the pie chart triplet. So there's three pie charts. And you know, for experts in the data viz field, you know, you the things that you would expect were were on there. But it was really interesting to see the variety of uh, possibilities, and it sort of spanned from column charts, line charts, and I think the last one was sort of like a, a mosaic plot. So um, okay, that one was really that one was I thought that one was really cool, and uh, and then the other one was um, someone posted a chart where they had sort of uh, uh, column charts. Combined with line charts in Excel, and uh, there was—I think there were like twenty or thirty comments on it. And, uh, <laughs> the variety of Sound, sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like something you should comment on. <laughs> right, but I think it was—you uh, know—Peltier did a did a did a, a tutorial, and then I think uh, Joe Mako did um, a pretty cool revision using a. It's hard to explain, but you know, people go find it. But it's a uh, you know sort of lines with gradient using gradient colors, and uh, that was pretty neat. And that sort of spurred a whole other conversation about you know whether that was a you know good way to present it and that and that sort of mm -hmm. thing. So yeah, yeah. Th so those two are probably my, my favorites. But um, there there there's a lot of good stuff out there, and I'm I'm hoping again that things sort of um, branch off into. Um, like recently, the one that's up now, someone said, well, redesign this and, you know, here are the colors that you said. And someone said, well, don't use red and green because you shouldn't use red and green, right? Yeah, yeah. And he said, well, we sort of have to use red and green because that's what the client the <laughs> client wants and that's what the client expects. And so I'm hoping that sort of uh, conversation sort of branches off into a longer conversation about mm -hmm, mm -hmm. discussions about color, discussions about, you know, when you should sort of push back on a client to say, this is why you shouldn't use this color palette or whatever. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's it's a lot nice. of places. You could actually turn, I, I just had this idea, turn it into these before and after studies, but providing all that context, like in some form condense all these longer discussions into like what turned out to be the best solution maybe or perceived best solution and right. document that a bit. So that could be another a book project or something. Yeah, no, yeah, it, it, exactly. would, it would be nice, uh, you know, it would be nice to have um, the original posters come back and say, this is what we exactly. ended up doing. Yeah. And a lot of this... Oh, I yeah, think, that would be the third step. Like, yeah. first is, like, the original, then the proposal, and then what actually works in their given context again, right? right. Or how it, how it transforms. Right. I would totally yeah. buy this book. Yeah, that's super cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put it on my list, Enrique. Yeah. More, the long, the more long work to list. come. <laughs> that's right not getting bored <laughs> no but seriously i think so i i am a super big fan of of case studies i think we don't have enough case studies out there yeah and i think that people could learn a lot by having more case studies because from case studies you can learn a lot 
So the more, the better. The more organized they are, the better. Yeah. So yeah. I think. Yeah. That's but they need all this extra documentation, like on the process and on the requirements and so on. No? Yeah, I think they are, of course, much much harder to digest. But if you are serious about learning visualization, that's one yeah. of the way to go. If you yeah. just want to flip through a series of images, well, who cares, right? But if you really want, I mean, yeah, just do it. I don't care. But if you really want, <laughs> no, seriously, it's okay. I'm okay with it. But, yeah, yeah. but if you want to learn how to do this thing properly, I think going through a lot of case studies is the best way to go. And I can tell you, me as a teacher, I have a very hard time explaining things to my students without having case studies because yeah. visualization theory doesn't magically materialize into being an expert in visualization. The only way to go is to do it for real or see a lot of good examples. So I think yeah. that's the reason why Help Me This is a, is a, it's a great, great, great uh, thing. Well, great. Well, I hope your students will use it, Enrico. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Uh, sure. <laughs> well, you should send them over and have like uh, yeah, drop, have them drop a few absolutely. comments. Absolutely. As I told you at the beginning, there are not many, many resources like that out there. Right. right. Yeah. And, and actually, one thing I wanted to ask you is, how do you expect people to consume the information that you're putting there, especially in the future? Right now, I think you still have a, I don't, I don't remember how many charts you said you have, but I think, I think it's still feasible to go through the whole list and, and, and quickly sift through them, right? But as the yeah. site will be growing, you might want to switch to a modality where people can quickly focus on, on something, right? Or be guided through some, some kind of thread, right? And yeah. the way you are organizing information right now, if I understand correctly, is by chart type? Yeah, it's by chart type and tool. So I'm wondering if you are satisfied with that, if you plan to change it in the future as you have more, more examples. I mean, I'm curious to hear what are your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's a good question. So I'm not exactly sure. So right now I've been tagging everything with the, yeah, the type of visualization and the, um, the tool that's being used. Um, but yeah, so right now, you know, sort of an infinite scroll situation where you can just sort of look through this entire library. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't know how the, you know, you know, down the road, you know, you have however many different visualizations. I don't know what the best way to sort of uh, start to organize these things. You know, you can imagine doing one where it's sort of a salt, you know, ones that are solved, which would, which would be nice. So if you just wanted to see the sort of case study of how mm -hmm. something went from beginning to, to the, to the end, that would be, that would be one way to do it. Um, or yeah, things that need an answer still. I mean, that could be the con, uh, the adverse, uh, right? Say the the inverse, inverse situation. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. I mean, yeah. that is definitely the thing on here. That you know, if you go to the site, it is you know, right now it's sort of unclear. Right now, everything is still open, um, but you know, in three months from now, the person who posted you know the first graph isn't going to care um, because hopefully he solved the solved the problem. Right. Right. Um, but it's not clear the way, it, the way I've set it up yet that, you mm -hmm. know, those things have been addressed or not. So that's, that's a, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know the answer yet. But I mean, you can just, you know, tackle yeah. that problem once it presents itself. So yeah, it's absolutely. still fine sure, 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 and, and sure, sure. just let it yeah. grow and see what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd like to add also like, uh, the mention for the policy viscom blog. Mm -hmm. That's still, you're writing that. And now for the visualized conference, you had a few, uh, like a whole series of posts that were really nice that summarized the whole conference. So, and I, also the, the rest of the blog is really nice. Oh, so I just wanted to mention that. So it makes good reading if you're. <laughs> into that type of thing <laughs> as we all are obviously yes yeah anything else enrico you have more questions we should meet sometime soon john yes we should, <laughs> we should. that's a good question yeah uh, <laughs> I, I i have questions for you enrico about about uh about your challenges with teaching i'm looking forward to more of your posts on uh I think about teaching data visualization. I think honestly, I think we had one episode on data stories on teaching, but I think I would like to do more because I've been thinking. We could have another. I've one, been yeah. thinking mm -hmm. about teaching quite a lot recently, as you can imagine, and it's damn hard. I think it's not clear yeah. how to teach visualization, and it's a real challenge. So I think that people like you or Andy. And Moritz, from time to time, gives uh, is I'm also teaching, teaching too, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, so yeah. There, there are a few people out there who are teaching, but I think we don't discuss enough about what's the best way to teach visualization. And I think it's really, really hard. Yeah, and it's also being taught in, in so many different, um, different areas. 
Absolutely. There are so many ways to, to teach visualization and there are so many different kind of people who wants to learn visualization for completely different kind of purposes. So probably there's right. no, so, no single best way to teach it, right? So, but there is material for a whole another episode. So maybe we will call you back with some other people to have an episode only on teaching. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've talked to a lot of people, you know, in journalism schools and policy schools and economics departments. I mean, in those I'll have different, if you're teaching data journal, data visualization in those different departments, they have different needs. And so that's what I think makes it even harder. Um, sort of figure out, you know, if you teach data visualization to a journalism, to, to students in a journalism class, they have different needs than if you teach data journalism or data visualization to economists or computer scientists or, you know, any other group. So, I, yeah, I think it's a real challenge. Yeah. It is. It is. And it's an important one. Sure. You know? Sure. It's also hard to, to answer generally, as you say, because it's so different whatever, like, what everybody expects to get out of it and... Uh, uh, what everybody's background is, and yeah. you know, it's it's such a mess. It is, it is. <laughs> yeah, you've got such a you've got such a wide variance in skill skill sets that right, it's, right. It, that's hard class to teach. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it it might be worthwhile to to have a whole episode on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good idea. Cool, but I think we can wrap up this one. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks, well, thanks, John. For having that's me. been was... super interesting. And yeah, this is a lot I, of fun. Yeah, and I, I really like to. I, I'm really looking forward to see how Help Me with evolves. It's, I've been browsing through a few of the threads, and it's, it's super instructive. So I'm I'm really looking forward to see that that Great. baby well, grow. I, yeah, same here. I I agree. Very very nice initiative. Thanks for doing that, John. Great. Well, I think thanks, it's it's, it's a great service well. to the community. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. This is this is a lot of fun. <laughs> thanks, John. Bye bye. See you soon. Bye bye. Bye bye.